To God be all of the glory for the great things our God has done. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. What a joy it is to be back with you, Alfred Street, as you share in worship today, as we share together in worship today and celebrate the great things that our God has done, is doing, and even plans to do through the life and ministry of this congregation with this clergyman named Dr. Howard John Wesley. Will you help me celebrate your pastor, my brother and friend? who is gifted of the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, we can praise God for him. To God be the glory. Uh, I am so grateful for this privilege, uh, having come since the installation of this pastor and now throughout these 11 years of celebration, I am delighted uh, that I have the privilege to return to this place and share my convictions concerning our Christ. And, and I'm grateful, Pastor, for the great things that God is doing through you. And I'm glad to know you, to be in relationship with you, and to know that God just keeps doing great things through you. Happy anniversary, sir. We celebrate with you, and we thank God for you. Pastor Wesley, as you may know, has been at the Wheeler Avenue Church ever since uh, I've been there. Every single year that I've been there, he has been there preaching the gospel, and he'll be back next month. And I'm told that many of you, hundreds of you, are planning to come. Uh, with him next uh, month. Next month, well, I'm praying uh, that God, we're in a building phase now. I hope we can get that building up before you get there. It's highly unlikely, but we'll be there, and I hope that you will, uh, if you're able to share with us, that you will come and be a part of the celebration that will ensue next month as your pastor preaches there. Our church looks forward to hearing your pastor preach just as you do, and I'm looking forward to that as well. So thank you, sir, uh, for coming again next month uh, to share with us. We have a gift from the Wheeler Avenue Church for your anniversary. We recognize that you have done a great work here, and we wanted to participate in the celebration. Only problem is I left it in the room, so... Um, meaning the hotel room. So we'll have to just get it whenever you get it. I know where you live. So it's all good. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, two of our preachers are coming in late, and uh, that's interesting. Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put up your Baptist finger next time and act like we don't see you. Okay. Praise the Lord. We'll deal with that after church. Amen. <clears throat> There's a word from the Lord today, and I'm um, trying not to go off like your pastor went off on his sons. <laughs> uh, amen. Woo. Praise the Lord. Yeah. In the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37, the Old Testament book of Ezekiel at chapter 37, and we'll begin our reading at verse 11. The Old Testament book of Ezekiel, uh, for those who have paper Bibles, it may take a bit more time to find Ezekiel, but it is, it is in there, amen. Ezekiel chapter 37, if you can't find it in your paper Bible, it's on the screen, and I want to read today from the New International Version of Ezekiel chapter 37 at verse 11, and this is what it says. Then he, meaning God, said to me, meaning Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried, our hope is gone, and we are cut off. That's enough. Amen. Praise God for his holy word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
sounds a bit demoralizing, even depressing. But the people of Israel said of themselves, our bones are dry, our hope is gone, we are cut off, our bones are dry, our hope is, I want to talk today from the subject, when hope is gone, when hope is gone, hope, that sense of expectation, that sense of assurance, that desire that something is going to transpire to make things better. Hmm. Hope. When you have that sense of longing, that expectation, that ability to look forward to see that something is going to shift to make things better. Seems, my brothers and sisters, as we read the self-declaration of the people of Israel, that they have no expectation, no desire, no sense of belief or assurance that things are going to get better. Listen again to their own self-proclamation. They said of themselves, our bones are dried, our hope is gone, we are cut off. These are they, my brothers and sisters, who are in an exilic experience. They have been taken away from their homeland. Everything that was near and dear to them has now been shifted. They know not of the surroundings in which they find themselves. They are dealing with the cruel foot of Nebuchadnezzar and his people with their feet on their necks and disallowing them to have the kind of progress and productivity they would want to have. And as a consequence... They say of themselves, our bones are dried, our hope is gone, and we are cut off. It's a, it's a sad reality, isn't it? To say of yourself, my hope is gone. It's a horrible thing to have to say of your own self, of your own people, our hope is gone. It's akin, is it not, to that second stanza of our Negro national anthem, Stony the Road We Trod. Bitter the chastening rod felt in the days when hope unborn had died. This, my brothers and sisters, is a sad reality. The circumstances of their lives have landed them in a scene, a setting, a situation that does not allow them to have the productivity and the progress that they would want to have. Have you heard what they said of themselves? They said of themselves, our bones are dried. Our hope is gone. We are cut off for those who grew up in the church, those who went to Sunday school. You know this text in Ezekiel chapter 37 as that text of the dry bones in the valley. These are they who have their disconnected, disjointed, disorganized bones strewn through that, throughout that Mesopotamian valley. And as a consequence, there's seemingly no life, no productivity. Their bones are dry and desiccated. It's a horrible circumstance and situation in which they find themselves and their hope is gone. So much so that these singing, shouting, celebrating people cannot even sing 
sing or shout anymore. Listen to what they say in the Psalms when their captors required of them a song. They said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Brothers and sisters, if you're not careful, if you don't do something to hold on to your hope, you can find yourself in a similar situation when life takes a mean, cruel turn on you, when life tries to knock the life out of you, when life does something to back you into a corner from which you can get no swift release and somebody in church right now can testify. There have been some days when I wondered whether or not I had anything to hope for. There have been some days when my hope was hushed. There have been some days when I did not have the hallelujah in my voice that I wanted to have. And maybe you don't want to admit it because you're too close to the people sitting around you, but somebody in here right now is testifying. Oh yes, I've been there when my hope was seemingly gone, when I could not make progress or productivity the reality of my life. Here they are, my brothers and sisters, and here many of us have been. Perhaps it was some situation, some setting, some saga that took place in your life that disallowed you to have the hope you wanted to have. Maybe like our Bahamian brothers and sisters, you were trying to recover from some severe storm. Some severe storms have come through your life and our Bahamian brothers and sisters have lost everything and now they're trying to bounce back and someone could say my hope is gone. Those brothers and sisters in North Carolina and South Carolina who are trying to recover. Sisters and brothers in my own city of Houston, Texas who just had to deal with Imelda are dealing with the reality that they're trying to recover after just dealing with Hurricane Harvey. Their hope is gone. Somebody in North Carolina, South Carolina, and if you have a Sharpie in Alabama, they're dealing with the reality. That severe storms can show up in your life and severe storms can like knock the life out of you. And let's be honest, everybody in church can testify. All storms are not tornadic. All storms are not hurricanes. Somebody knows something about a personal storm, an emotional storm, a financial storm, a psychological storm. Severe storms show up in your life. If it's not severe storms, it's the rise of suicidal statistics. Suicidal statistics are on the rise even right now. Just a couple of weeks ago, a pastor in California took his life on Tuesday, and the very next day, the director of the Penn Psychological Services Department took his life. A pastor who had been writing about dealing with mental health concerns and dealing with depression took his life. The next day, the director of the psychological services department at Penn took his life last week Pastor Wesley in our home city of Chicago an associate minister took his life and this my friends is strange during September which is suicide awareness prevention month these my brothers and sisters are dealing with the rough reality that life can sometimes be so cruel you want to wave the white flag of surrender and say stop this ride I want to get off somebody 
knows something about it because even while you're sitting here listening to me, you yourself has have had some suicidal ideation at some point in life. You may not want to tell anybody about it, but I thank God you made it to church today because I want to tell you that all hope is not lost. All hope is not gone. Hold on to your hope. Hope can be taken away from us as a consequence of severe storms as we look at the rise of suicidal statistics or my brothers and sisters, it's just a stressful season. A stressful season. That seemingly is where these brothers and sisters of the house of Israel find themselves in a protracted, prolonged season of suffering, of stress. They are so worn out by the time they get to the text that the text says they said of themselves our bones are dried our hope is gone and we are cut off there's no hope for us there's no reason to even try to keep going there's no reason to even try to keep progressing or pursuing that which is possibly away uh, down the line for us and here they are and into this context my brothers and sisters the God of our salvation always knows exactly what to do when his people are dealing with the loss of their hope when they're dealing with the rough realities of their lives. May I give you some good news? Whenever you're in that season of your life, your God is so good that God will raise up a prophet to speak into the lives of his people to let them know that all hope is not lost. You just missed a good opportunity to say amen. I said whenever your hope is gone, whenever you feel like you're cut off, God knows how to raise up somebody just in the nick of time. God knows how to use a YouTube clip to to show somebody that all hope is not lost. God knows how to speak into the lives of God's people to let them know everything is going to be alright. May I get two or three people in here who are still believing that no matter how bad the situation, if God be for us, who can be against us? They say our hope is gone, our, our, our bones are dried, we are cut off, but God raises up a prophet. His name is Ezekiel, and when God raises up this prophet, this prophet is sent on assignment. He is deputized to speak life into dead, dry, desiccated bones. He is sent to send life. God always sends a prophet. God always has a Moses to tell his people that they have liberation as a part of their reality. God always sends a prophet. He'll send a Joel to let them know that restoration is still a possibility. God always has a prophet. He'll send a Jeremiah to let people know to get themselves together. He'll send a prophet in your direction to speak life into your situation. He'll send an Amos to let them know that justice is still a reality no matter how bad the circumstances of life may be. And if you think it's just a biblical reality, check us out in the contemporaneously reality because in our contemporary contemporaneous society. God will raise up a Martin Luther King Jr. to say that there's a possibility that justice can roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. If you don't believe me, God will raise up a Jeremiah A. Wright Jr. who will speak into the lives of a nation and let them know that God still wants order and right things to happen amongst his people. If you don't believe me, check out a Howard John Wesley because God will send a prophet to speak truth to power and let God's people know that God is still in complete control. That's what happens. 
That's what happens. God raises up Ezekiel. And when God raises up Ezekiel, he sends him down to the valley of dry bones. He says, son, I want you to go down there and I want you to walk around in the bones. And according to the text, my brothers and sisters, when God sends him on assignment, he gives to him what I call a pragmatic examination. Watch the movements of the text. When you open up Ezekiel chapter 37, we are presented with what I call a pragmatic examination. God according to the text sends Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. The old preacher said God sent the preacher to a dead church. Lord have mercy. He sent the preacher down to a dry dead church and he told him walk around among the bones and tell me what you see. He says I want to know what you are seeing, what you are sensing. This is a pragmatic examination. Tell me what you feel when you're walking around. Don't tell me what you learned in the seminary. That's not what I want to know right now. Don't tell me what you learned in the school of the prophets. That's what, what, I, what I want to know right now. Tell me what you see, what you sense. I want to know, can you feel what the people are feeling? Can you experience what the people are experiencing? Son of man, walk around in the bones. I want to see if you have enough sense to just walk around and feel what the folk are going through. Experience the decimation and the desecration that is going on in their lives. Feel them. Now, Ezekiel has some things going for him. Don't miss it because verse 1 says that the hand of the Lord is on him. That's some good news. That means the favor of God is on his life. That means that some folk will come get him out of line when it's a long line. That means that favor is in his situation. He's got some favor, but not only is the hand of God on him, but the Spirit of God is leading him. Oh, brothers and sisters, when you got the hand of God and the Spirit of God, you are unstoppable. You cannot be defeated. When the hand of God is on you and the Spirit of God is leading you, it doesn't matter how ugly the situation, how tiring the circumstance, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. He says, tell me what you see. Tell me what you're experiencing. And then, Dr. Wesley, God asks Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? It's an examination. He says, can these bones live? You've been walking around these bones. They seem to be dry, desiccated, dead, seemingly no hope in them. I'm asking you, can these bones live? Now, Alfred Street, you need to know that whenever God asks a question, God does not ask a question to get the answer. He asks a question to get your answer. What are you feeling? What are you sensing? What are you perceiving? Can these bones live? How do you feel about the situation? Uh, can that child be restored? How do you feel? What are you sensing? Can, can this country be turned around? What are you feeling? Can that family be reconciled? Can these bones live? Can that sickness be healed? Can your circumstance be rectified? Can, can that job be turned around? Can these bones, what do you say about the situation? Your church going self. Your hand clapping, foot stomping, Alfred Street member having self. Can these bones live? 
I like Ezekiel. <laughs> Ezekiel's a wise man. Yes, he is. He says, Lord, you know. <laughs> he, does not, he does not try to answer the question with a real answer. He says, Lord, you know you're the sovereign God. You know everything. You know if circumstances can be turned around, you're well able to do what no one else is able to do. Lord, you know. And God says, good answer, son. Now that you're walking around in the bones, now that you're in this season of dealing with folk whose hope is gone. This is what I want you to do. Now that you've dealt with this pragmatic examination, I want you to provide for them some prophetic proclamation. Watch the text. It moves now to prophetic proclamation. He says, this is what I want you to do, Zeke. Preach to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. Proclaim to the bones. That's what I want you to do. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Okay, you missed it. Let me rewind and press play. Um, uh, he, he says, Lord, you know if they can live or not. He says, good answer. This is what I want you to do. Preach to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. Proclaim to the bones. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, child of God, maybe you have not rejoiced about what I just said just yet because you don't know what the Word of God has power to do. But if you know anything about the power of the Word of God, you'll understand that when the Word of God goes forth according to God's own declaration, His Word never returns to Him void. Well, when God's Word goes out, it's always going to accomplish exactly what He sent it to accomplish. And you want to believe today that the Word of God has power. As a matter of fact, I know the Word of God has has power because it would make no sense for all of us to get dressed up on a Sunday morning, get all the way down to Alexandria, Virginia, come to Alfred Street, deal with all that parking and trying to get in here and trying to get to our favorite seat every Sunday if we didn't know that a word was going to be proclaimed that was going to give us a renewed hope, a renewed sense of strength, a renewed sense of joy. Is there anybody in this building this morning who can testify the word still works? No, no, you got to you got to celebrate it until your pew partner believes it. I said, is there anybody in here who still believes that the words still work? I'm gonna ask it a third time. They tell me the third time is a charm. Is there anybody in this church who still believes the words still work? He said, I want you to preach to the bones, brothers and sisters. Every week we gather, somebody sits on the pews of the Alfred Street Church with seemingly gone hope, dried up hope. And I'm so grateful <laughs> that God has raised up a prophet in this house who knows exactly how to preach to us what we need just when we need it most. Isn't it interesting that you can come to church with your several situations, with your varying circumstances, and one man can preach one word out of one Bible, and it seems to hit and make, make sense to everybody sitting around. Isn't it interesting that everybody can go out of here saying, whoo, that was just for me. Oh, child, that was just for me. He don't know none of your business. He ain't heard nothing about what's happening at the job. But one word from the Lord can turn your situation situation around this ain't the time to get sleepy when preaching is going on this ain't the time to pass notes this ain't the time to talk to your friend this is the time to hear the word of the Lord and so Ezekiel started preaching started preaching. The sermon is not given to us in the text. All we know is he started preaching. 
And while he was preaching, he found out that God didn't want him just to preach to the bones. God said, preach to the wind. Preach to the breath. Because proclamation ought lead to inspiration. You understand that while he's proclaiming, he says, preach to the wind, the breath. That's unique because the wind, the breath, in the Hebrew, that word is ruach. It is the same word from Genesis chapter 2. Because in Genesis chapter 2, God breathed into the nostrils of humanity the breath of life. And we became living souls. And it is that same ruach that he now preaches to. Because he understands that if they get inspired, some breath in them. That's the same word for the Holy Spirit if they get the Holy Spirit in them they'll be able to be more than they ever thought they could ever be oh somebody in this church needs to understand that when you get proclamation that leads to inspiration something begins to happen in you that nobody can shut down I wish I had some Holy Ghost filled folk at Alfred Street who understand that when the Spirit of God is on your life you are unstoppable you are in undefeatable is there anybody in here who can testify they may try to stop me at my job but when I got some word and some Holy Ghost, you can't stop me. They may try to put racism and sexism as the lot of my life, but I got word and Holy Ghost, and I shall not be moved. He says, preach to the, to the wind. And now when he does that, they have some inspiration. As a consequence, proclamation leads to inspiration, which leads to stimulation. Because if you read in your Bible, your Bible says that while he's preaching, bones start moving. They start getting stimulated. You can't sit there for a long time when the word is working on you. I need two or three people in here who understand that when before I started hearing some good word, I never would have made all this noise in church. I never would have been doing all that clapping and standing up. As a matter of fact, that used to offend me. But now I'm the first one saying, preach man, you doing that thing. Oh, that's good. Amen, amen, amen. Well, because something about the word stimulates you. You start feeling something on the inside. Old saint said, I wouldn't have a religion I couldn't feel sometime. Is there anybody in here who's ever heard that word and it made you feel something on the inside that would not let you sit still bones are now rattling <laughs> there's a shaking in the valley bones are now getting together and we find out the proclamation leads to inspiration inspiration leads to stimulation but stimulation leads to motivation by the time you get to verse 10 the Bible says that now all the bones have gotten back together they are now reconnected the tendons are now connected. The sinews are now in place. Everything is in place. And your Bible says that the whole house stands up as a vast army. You missed it. No, you missed it. Mm -mm. I had two people say, woo, and other folks looking like, huh? Okay, let me give it to you again. At the top of the lesson, they're dry, disconnected, dead, desiccated bones. By the time some word has been proclaimed over them, they have not just been stimulated, now they're motivated to stand up as a vast army. When you get some word in you, you may come one way at the call to worship, but by the time the benediction comes, you're like, come on, put me in, coach, put me in, coach. I feel like doing it. Come on, I'm ready to go back to that job now. Come on, put me in. I feel like going on. 
I need the army of Alfred Street to help me right through here. Is there anybody in here who feels like you can do more now that you've gotten some word in you than you ever could have done? I need the army of Alfred Street to help me now and testify we can win the world for the glory of God. We can feed the 5,000. We can serve those who are less served. We can be a blessing to those who are underprivileged. Is there anybody in here who knows this is an army at Alfred Street? This is not a place of weak and wimpy worshipers. These are some warriors in this house. My time is out. Can I give you one last thing? He says, preach to the bones. He preaches. And now this prophetic proclamation has gone forth. And Alfred Street, I mean the Israelites are standing up like a vast army. Only problem is, they're still speaking less than where God wants them to be. They still say of themselves, our hope is gone. Our bones are dry. We're cut off. And so now God moves not just from prophetic uh, proclamation, but he moves to what I call uh, a, a wonderful prolific restoration. Um, he, he says, now listen, they've been saying our bones are dried. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. That, that's what they said. They keep saying of themselves, our bones are dry. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. They feel that no good is ever going to come out of this situation. They have no expectation, no desire for something better. Their hope is gone. They said that. That's what I read to you in verse 11. But if you keep reading verse 11, God says, but I said, these are my people. I said, I'm going to settle them back in their homeland. I said, they will then know that I am the Lord their God. Now, don't miss this, brothers and sisters. That's what happens in those last verses of this story, that God says, I heard what they said. But what they said does not line up with what I said. And I said, they're my people. And I said, I'm going to restore them to their homeland. And I said, they will then know that I am the Lord their God. I just gave you three reasons to rejoice. And I'm going to give them to you again. I'm going to unpack them and I'm going to get in my seat. He says, they are my people. <laughs> Now, if you understand what it means to be God's people, you know you got somebody fighting for you when you can't fight for yourself. If you know what it means to be God's people, it means that God is on your side even when everybody else leaves your side. Is there anybody in here who knows he never leaves you, he never forsakes you, he's always right there with you. I need two or three people in here who know you're private property. I need somebody in here who knows you're a daughter of God, you're a son of God, to go ahead and testify he's on my side. He said, not only are they my people, but I'm going to restore them to the place where they've been taken exile. I'm going to take them back to their homeland. I'm going to settle them back into the places where they once were, and I'm going to let them know that everything's going to be all right. I need 10 or 12 people in every section of this church today who know something about the restorative power of God to help me encourage somebody who may not know that your God is a God of a restoration. Is there anybody in this building today who can testify? He knows how to restore. 
I don't know what you came in here missing. I don't care what you came in drained of or depleted from. But I came to let you know that your God is a God of restoration. He's still able to restore your joy. He's still able to restore your peace. He's still able to restore your family. I need 10 or 12 people in here who can testify. He'll restore everything that the palmer worm and the canker worm have taken away. I need 10 or 12 people who knows he restores my soul. I need somebody who can testify. He's a God of restoration. Come on, man. Is there anybody in the building who can help me close and begin to look back over your life and say, I lost some things along the way. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to regain them or recover, but I'm here as a living, breathing testimony that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. I need somebody who's seen him restore some things to help me lift up the name of the Lord. He said, I'm going to call them my people and then I'm going to restore everything they lost. Put them back in the place where they were taken from and then they will know that I am the Lord their God. That's where I need to close today. I think there's somebody in this building who's seen God operate. You've seen God work. You've seen God make a way and now that you've gotten to this point in your life you don't give anybody else the credit. You don't say it was your boss, your bae or your boo. It was nobody but the Lord. Is there a witness in the building who has a nobody but God testimony? Anybody can look back over your life and begin to testify if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. I don't know where I would be but thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. He turned my situation around. He gave me joy and sorrow. He put running back in my feet and clapping back in my hands. So please excuse me if I offend you on Sunday morning when I jump up and sit down and jump up and sit down. But I just keep having flashbacks of what God has done for me. The ways God has made for me. The doors God has opened for me. Please excuse me if I offend you because I'm getting loud in Alfred Street. Please excuse me if I get on your nerve because I keep waving my hand. But when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cried hallelujah. I want to thank the Lord for saving me, for healing me, for restoring me, for blessing me. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Somebody shout yes! Shout yes! Hey!
I dare not trust the sweetest frame but holy lean oh Jesus name oh Christ the solid rock I stand oh 